This episode of Bourbon with Friends is brought to you by Kentucky Eagle, Inc. Kentucky Eagle is a growing company in need of talented people with a passion for wine and spirits. They are looking for sales positions and operational roles. They are a family-owned company and offers above industry average compensation, up to 7.5 401k match, health, life, dental, vision, insurance, car allowance, cell allowance. Positions are available in markets around Kentucky. Please visit www.kyeagle.net slash careers to apply. It's time for Bourbon with Friends, the bourbon podcast that never takes itself too seriously. Pull up a chair, grab a glass, and remember, a bourbon with friends can change the world. Here we go. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Burn With Friends. Thank you so much for listening wherever you are in the world. I'm Paul, joined by Shanda and Connor, as always. Well, I mean, sometimes, I don't know, most of the time. I just love how, I love how Connor's got the Bigfoot, like the, the Bigfoot Sasquatch shirt on right now. And he's just kind of sitting like flexed out a little bit. Like, Connor, does that shirt make you feel a little bit like a Yeti? Well, I'm not flexing. I, I appreciate you think I am flexing. It's not a big foot. It's a gorilla. It's Josh. Well, you're strength, either flexing or, you out, or you're really holding in or like a fart or something. Dude, I'm built different. What do you want me to say? Like what? <laughs> what do you feel? Like? Built different. I'm him. That's what they, I'm him. I, I want to I want a Connorism to come out so bad. We've barely talked to Shelly. I can't do one of those yet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe later in the podcast yeah let's, oh let's get warmed gosh. up a little bit <laughs> uh, today we have a guest special guest with us uh shelly sackier she is an author and she also works at a distillery uh she is a director of distillery education for Wes- reservoir distillery in richmond virginia her book that she has out is it's called from wretched to wondrous tales of one woman's lifelong discovery of whiskey Make it a double. I like, I mean, can we just say make it a bottle? Like, is that the next book? Like the, the sequel to this one? Make it a bottle. Give me the whole case. Yeah. <laughs> and then just, and then just give me all of it. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I said, give me all of the whiskey that you have. <laughs> I need my own still. Yes. I like the way you think. What well, kind of, don't you have access to one? Yeah, go big. Yeah, absolutely, I do. And sometimes I'm even allowed to touch it. Wow. wow. Not when it's operating, you know, full force. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of men in a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here. <laughs> sometimes you can touch it, but it just doesn't always, it's not always operating. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love how God is just sitting there, just not saying shit. I don't know how to handle this. He's so quiet and it's He's bothering so me today. right now. I know. He's just looking uh, like, how are you speaking? <laughs> I, um, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, I am, um, I am, uh, I, 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 I have no response. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about the book because I think that's how you get to the distillery, right? Like yeah, you got to start yeah. at the beginning. It is the correct trajectory. You know, a lot of people ask me how it is that I got into the business. Um, I think that's probably the most curious and most often asked question. And I, uh, there's a good story uh, that goes along with it. So um, I'll bend your ear for a couple of minutes, but um, go for it. So the, the first time I laid eyes on a dram of scotch or, you know, any brown spirit for that matter, I was on my inaugural visit to Scotland and I was this fresh 22 year old who possessed an insufferably cocky confidence about myself and you know the world I was traveling in and my soon Sounds like Connor yeah yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> I was gonna say same same <laughs> <laughs> so my soon-to-be husband took charge of my initiation you know in this land as we were just hunting through castles and you know traversing around gleaming locks and Basically, I was scarfing down my body weight and meat pies and milk stouts. Mm. Uh, and then he said, I think it's time we do some barrel hugging. But, you know, he was an Englishman and he would never have been caught dead doing such an American act. Uh, so we visited a Highland distillery on the west coast of Scotland, a beautiful place called Oban. And mm-hmm. uh, 
following the tour after, you know, seeing the malt floors and the mash, the massive mash tons and the washbacks and, you know, all that, that beautiful fermenting grain and the, sh- the shiny copper pots that are just, you know, what everybody goes to see. Uh, basically, I was handed a tulip-shaped glass and I was told just how lucky I was to be experiencing one of the best whiskeys in the world. So I took a sip and I did not feel lucky. <laughs> I felt duped. I felt duped. I felt betrayed by the man who stood next to me and, you know, who was now staring glassy eyed into his own drink. And I felt hoodwinked by a company that, you know, surely pitied all the tourists who were gathered, you know, thinking that they would make great townspeople for the next parade of the emperor's new clothes. Um, <laughs> so I not so quietly expressed my dislike. And then I asked why anyone could be conned into taking another sip of this. And then I was abruptly ushered out of the building. And uh, <laughs> I feel like she's reading like an excerpt from her book. Her her use of words are just they're so delightful. Literally everyone on that tour was like, what an asshole. <laughs> I was. I was really an asshole, but I was an honest asshole, right? So I mean life is short. You spend a long Damn. time. Why lie? Let's- Scotch is like that, though. Like, if you've never had whiskey, it can taste like it's, you know, (laughs) rubbing alcohol. (laughs) It can. It gets better. No, there's better stories than getting kicked out of a distillery. Let's do this. No, it does. Yeah. So in the evening before dinner, the barkeep from the hotel that we were in, he came around and he's like, do you want a tram, you know, to kind of keep warm? And uh and my nettled fiance suggested the barman, you know, just keep his precious gold because my tongue was woefully un- uneducated. Uh, and then, you know, after hearing what it is that I'd been given, the barman, you know, just about had a heart attack. And he uh, he blamed my uh, my soon to be husband. He's like, oh, my God, you you know, you gave her poison. Well, at least I, I thought he said you gave her poison because to me it was poison. What he probably said was something like, oh, no, she's been given the wrong flavor profile that was, you know, unpalatable. for initiated." <laughs> so but, you know, to me, it was like you gave her poison. But he begged that I try again. But this time he's like, I promise I'm going to give you something that you're really going to want to have again tomorrow. Just, and I'm like, are we still talking about whiskey? Um, <laughs> you heard that line before. <laughs> I promise when you wake up, you're going to want it too. <laughs> so he comes back with this beautiful bottle and he's describing it and he's saying, you know, it's, it's flowery. It's like like um, fresh cut grass and cheesecake. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, you're making this sound like a marmalade cosmopolitan. Hand it over. So um, uh, he said, yeah. So don't swallow. Don't don't, you know, put it underneath your nose and put it in your mouth. And ha ha ha. Hold on to it ever so dearly for just a little bit. Let it just rest there. <laughs> so, and then you've lost Shanda. Shanda's gone. <laughs> so I saw your face and Connor. Look at Connor. <laughs> this is going to be one of the funniest like lines that's not supposed to be funny that's turned into funniness when we put oh this one on God. YouTube. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was warm and it was heady. <laughs> <laughs> Brought back all the memories of like, you know, men in kilts who were wearing nothing but lipstick beneath them. Um, so <laughs> basically everything just bloomed within that glass. Right. And just at that moment, I felt this positional shift and I thought, oh, my God, Scotland has discovered how to transform this seductive come hither glance into liquid form. And I was totally hooked. And from that moment on, Basically, I wanted to know everything. So I knocked on all the back doors of every distillery I could find, and I bought a bazillion textbooks, and I wanted to understand the science, right? The chemistry, Mm -hmm. the the machinery. I wanted everybody to teach me how flavor is created. And so um, eventually, I snagged a lovely, tiny internship with one of the most sigh-worthy distilleries in the whole world, um, a little place off the west coast of Scotland called Burrachlati. And this is where I learned truly how, you know, whiskey is made from grain to glass. And so fly forward another several years, I'm researching for a book that I was writing and I, I'm, you know, I jump into Reservoir Distillery, which was not so far away from me. And I was asking to speak with a distiller and I came across Dave Cutno, who's the 
the owner. And he said, after we had about five minutes of conversation, he's like, why aren't you working in a distillery? And before I could say, because I already have a job as an author, uh, he said, you're going to come work in my distillery and we are going to squeeze every last drop of information you possess about whiskey right out of you. And so there we have it. That is my utterly romantic story of how I got my dream job. I want so, to say this on the record. Hold on, Paul. Go I got something to say. Oh, <laughs> I no, got. No, some, I want to speak. put something on the record. That was the greatest story I've ever heard in my entire life. The way that story was told, <laughs> there was a beginning, a middle, and end. There was a plot. There was a. There was everything that that was like a. You could turn that story into a film. That was that was beautiful. Do you know anyone starring Sam Hewen? Um, <laughs> I had some connections. Yeah. Some yeah, connections. we know. So we know a guy. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank I counted you. 35 SAT words. Oh, my God, Father. Is that you? <laughs> God, my editor is going to be really pissed. Well, Shanda was right. You could tell that Shelly's an off- author because there are so many SAT words, and it was just amazing. And it was so whimsical. Honestly, like your rendition of your story is just like so thought out and so beautiful and just Aww. fun. Thank you. I've had so- you tell it about a million times now since the book came out. So it's, you know, you get a little practice. Right. I love it. It's Not probably the first time. So is it the first time someone straight went to where Shanda's head went to? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. And, you know, maybe well, Paul, I looked at you and you were doing the same thing and Connor was too. I so, was just I mean... grinning and then you lost your shit and that's when we <laughs> lost it. So what was the whiskey that you had in the, uh, the second whiskey? What was that, it? That whiskey. Um, so the barman <laughs> described it to me. He said, it's a whiskey from the lowlands, from the garden of Scotland. Yep. Okay. It's a ladies malt. And I wasn't offended at the time. I was only 22. Um, and he said, it's called Glen Kinchy. Oh, yeah, beautiful. yeah, yeah. Johnny Walker, lowland home of Johnny Walker. It's just so, so lovely. It's so lovely. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I went there when we, so we did, did kind of like a soft tour for the mate before our main tour of Scotland it, and it, you know, we still got to get some distillery, distillery schedule that aren't responding to us. Um, actually they are. They're just saying, we're going to get it done next week. We'll have your date done. And it's been four weeks here and that it, I went there and it's actually really cool. I don't know if you've been since they've redone the distillery, but the, the way that they've really brought that distillery into a modern age, especially from a, a tour perspective, it was so engaging. It was just one of, it's probably the coolest tour I've ever been on. Have you been to the Allen. I have not been to McAllen. Renovated, newly renovated distillery. I haven't. Um, I if you if you weren't open, it's a little bit like visiting a Hobbit house. They built it into a hillside. It's sort of underground mostly. Um, but I'm I'm not a and I I rarely say this out in public, but you know. I've said it on another podcast before. I might as well. Most average Joes have been priced out. Yeah, the McAllen uh, is is a place where it is quite awesome, and I mean that in every definition of the word, um, strictly from like a you know Oxford dictionary kind of a thing. Uh, as in, it is something of great awe. It, they it's like a it's like a Hobbit house. They built it into the side of a hill and. Um, most of it is underground. I prefer the old one because I'm very, very old fashioned when it comes to distilleries. And I hate all the renovations that make things that strip it of its magic. Right. I, I just I like the old um, workings where things are not automated and they're still, you know, handmade and hand tested and hand built and hand in Scotland today, I think can be for me disappointing when I'm comparing and contrasting to, you know, like 25 years ago where. Uh, they didn't have all the machinery taking care of everything. They actually had a staff of people, you know, who were operators and whatnot. And they, they knew their skills. Yeah, especially with uh, malting the barley, you know, that whole process now. Most distilleries don't even malt their own barley on site anymore. They they have, it, you know, obviously it's made to their specifications and it's, you know, it's smoked the way that they want to smoke it with the peat that they want to use. But it's very rarely as, uh, is our distilleries over there doing the exact same, you know, as they used to 30 years ago. But that's also, you know, the product of supply and demand, right? As whiskey's become more popular, it's not as easy to do things by hand. You have to really kind of, you know, mechanize it and, and make it easier to, 
to get it out there. And scotch isn't something that sits on the, you know, in a barrel for what, you know, two years usually. I mean, you're talking about eight, 10, 12, 15 years for a good scotch. It's going to be, I'm looking forward to us getting over there, uh, in a couple of weeks and, and especially for these two because they've never been. Oh, you are in for a real treat. Where are you guys going? Confirmed right now. We have, uh, Morrison Distillery, Hollyrood, Dewars, Kilcoma, Kilcoman. Ardbeg. Ardbeg. Is that all we have so far? Like actually I, confirmed? I think so. We're supposedly get, having, we, we're trying to wrap Logable and up. And then some of the other ones have been hard to get a hold of, but we're, we're basically doing around, you know, Edinburgh and then Isla. Well, um, when you go to Hollywood, please find my barrel and give it a hug for me and tell them I, can do that. I will be there to collect it in just a couple of years. Long, long ago, before I, I did this for a living, my uh, I worked in the entertainment uh, world as a singer. And um, I was in the middle of recording an album with my producer who... Uh, was Eddie Quintella and Eddie Quintella is married to, I think he's still married. I'm not sure. Um, to, um, uh, what is her name? I've suddenly lost her name. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Um, I can't remember her name. Uh, Leonard Skinner. (laughs) Exactly. From Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Um, I'll think of it in a second. In any case, uh, I mean, there's only two women in Fleetwood Mac, right? So there's, um, Stevie Nicks. Evie Nix is one of them. And the other one, Christine McVeigh. There it is. Christine McVeigh. Yeah. So Christine, uh, Eddie Quintella was married to her and uh, they were just finishing up uh, some track for Fleetwood Mac in the same studio that we were going to be recording our, uh, one of our, our albums in. And, um, Stevie Nicks was in the booth and she was recording this song. And at the time it really wasn't going so well for the engineers. They were really struggling with her and whatnot. And, and she she leaves the studio in you know her very flowy cape like uh, goddess clothing and whatnot. And as she's you know walking out the door, she turns to the engineers and she says, "The magic is there. You just have to find it." <laughs> so, <laughs> I suggest that might be the same with this podcast episode. <laughs> Con- Connor hears that from his dates usually. <laughs> 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 oh my god <laughs> got him anyways we should leave that Potter, in. do you need a hug oh yeah should... absolutely it's what i will pick it up we'll pick, do you we'll want to drink now can we drink <laughs> yeah, yeah so shelly talk to us about reservoir distillery and the the bottle that you sent to us uh hunter and scott bourbon whiskey it's 90 yeah. proof batch 81 so, uh, Reservoir Distillery is a fabulous little place to work. I absolutely adore this craft distillery. I think I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. Um, you know, n- not just because they make, uh, you know, kick ass whiskey and whatnot, but, uh, just because of the, the, the way that, that, that company is run. You know, it's talent driven rather than it's, it's, it's very gender blind. And, uh, we happen to be, you know, women powered as well because we've got a female head distiller, Mary Allison. She's just incredible. She's wonderful. Um, but, uh, basically Reservoir makes what well, started in 2008. It was the third distillery outside of Kentucky to be making bourbon since prohibition. So a really, you know, pretty special little, um, star above our head. We're really kind of excited about that. But uh, we make um, our founding line is uh, our three bottles of 100% single grain whiskeys. So we do 100% wheat, 100% corn, that's our bourbon and 100% rye. And all of these are you know, distilled separately and then um, barreled separately and aged separately. And then uh, we bottle them like that. So for for numerous reasons, but two of my favorite is that number one, people have an opportunity to taste what that single grain is like. And then number two, decide, you know, whether or not that grain appeals to their palate. And it's not an experience a lot of people get because more often than not, you know, you have a, a blend where you might not be able to pick out wheat or you don't know what rye tastes like on its own. So your bourbon, you, you market the bourbon as 100% corn mashville? It's it's a bourbon, but yes, it's one hundred percent corn. Exactly. Wow, that, mm-hmm. that is uh, 
that's interesting. I don't know if any other distillery does a bourbon that's a hundred. They market it as a bourbon that's a hundred percent corn. It's usually a corn whiskey. That that high of a. Yep. No, TTB uh, has, you know, we follow all the rules and regulations. It is a bourbon that is 100% corn. And then we do this. Um, so we have a couple uh, a couple things that we do that are blends as well, like the bottle that you have, the Hunter and Scott. That's our, our second line, um, which is, you know, high velocity. It's uh, used for a lot of cocktails and um, sort of like an afternoon, afternoon, you know, back porch kind of sipper, like an everyday type sipper type of thing. And uh, we basically make that by um, doing post-distillation blending. So all those three single grains uh, become part of the blend of that. And we used to sell it just like that. It was only our our juice um, for that blend. But now we have had such a high demand for Hunter and Scott uh, that um, this is our, our very newest uh, blend, which we just introduced a few months ago, which we're now adding. It's it's ours um, with all three of our single grains in there. And then we've also hand selected some Kentucky barrels and some Indiana. And uh, we <laughs> there's there's a fellow by the name of Dave Shurik. I'm not sure if you are familiar with him, but he is um, one of the uh, the you know, original distillers for Woodford Reserve and about a bazillion other different distilleries, but he's one of the uh, the the most wisest individuals uh, and most knowledgeable individuals about whiskey in general, American whiskey. And uh, he was with me on part of our book and bottle tour for, for this book. And um, he was interviewing me and he tried the Hunter and Scott and he's like, I'm going to call it the triple tipple. And I told him, I am going to steal that from you. And so now that's what everybody refers to it because it's, you know, from three different appellations. So <laughs> Connor is 100% going to use that. I yeah. saw him smirk and he's it's like, that, that word went into the brain bank. The triple tipple. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that going in your Tinder profile. And, and when we go to Scotland, come on, man, we got a guest. <laughs> She thought it was funny, so I have a brother. Does he also play pay for Tinder Gold? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shelly. Sorry. Yep. You gotta meet Dave Cutno. I think you'll find your match. This is spicier than 90 proof. Like it drinks spicy. Does it? To me, it does. In a good way. Yeah, well, I mean, spicy is not usually, but well, yeah, it's not like, you know, it's not like grain alcohol where it feels like you're going to shoot fire out the back of your throat. It's, it's surprising, right? Like you see 90 proof and you drink as much whiskey as we do. You get surprised. You get proof surprised sometimes, whether it's like, holy shit, that doesn't drink like I expected it to be hot. And then on the flip side, I expected it not to be hot. And it is a little bit, and it's got that like Kentucky hug at the end of it. This yeah. one has that Kentucky hug to me. It's not. Like, it's not like drinking barrel proof, but it's not, I wouldn't call this a summer whiskey, right? Like I would call this a fall whiskey, a winter whiskey, because it's got that warmer feeling going down, going down the back of your throat than it does some other whiskeys. Yeah, it stays with you. I think the rye shines uh, well through this. And I always tell people, you know, all of our, um, all of our grains come from within 45 miles of our distillery. So we are all about provenance and we're really, really trying to answer the question, what does Virginia taste like? So whether it's the grains that we're growing and the relationships that we have with our farmers, we want to, you know, highlight the flavor of this patch of earth. And uh, we even go so far as to, you know, cut down trees in Virginia and have them made into staves. And then we've got our coopers make them into, you know, casks for us. And, uh, you know, cause wood specifically in, um, in bourbon, there's 50 to 80% of the flavor profile comes from the wood. So again, it's all just sort of answering that question of what does Virginia taste like? And the answer to that is, you know, hella good, I think. Where how how old is is this? How long do you usually age this one? So we don't have age statements on uh, on any of our bottles because everything like we you know we were talking about Scotland how everything is automated and whatnot and we are not automated at all. So every barrel is hand. Uh, tested and um, and and tested by a panel for readiness. So we have multiple different barrel sizes that we use for all of these whiskeys as well. So there's no set standard. It is just maintaining 
quality and consistency. So we use small barrels, uh, you know, five and 10 gallons, um, all the way up to, you know, 53s. We even have like a, you know, a 400 liter that we've, um, that we've been toying with doing some finishing cognac finish with. And, um, every barrel has its own story and it has its own timeline. And so if you're going to be using small barrels, it's very, very specific in the, um, timeline. You have to pay attention to the, the, alcohol to wood ratio, right? Like the surface mm. uh, of, of wood to alcohol, alcohol ratio. And uh, so the the other thing that is really, really important in, this, in our small barrel program is that the distillate has to be extraordinarily clean. So you can't put, um, you know, just uh, a, a wide cut uh, into that, into a, you know, a, a small barrel like you would a 53, because 53 is going to take a lot longer in order to oxidize out all the um, or the compounds that you don't want, those organic compounds that you'd, you'd rather never make their way in the barrel in the first place. But with the small barrels, so, you know, it's really, really tight, heart cut, very, very clean. And because it doesn't spend nearly as much time in the barrel uh, because that of that wood surface alcohol ratio. I also thought the bottle looked familiar. <laughs> uh huh. I was yeah. like, the bottle feels the familiar. The bottle man. is specifically um, to be bartender friendly, uh, okay. cocktail friendly, and bartender. But our other bottles are, you know, are more shaped like our still. They're squat and mm-hmm. shorter, and you know. Uh, yeah, I saw the reservoir ones on your website. They are, they're like yeah. little like handheld ones almost. Yeah. 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 They're, they're wide and squat and uh, very much the shape of our still, which is, you know, a beautiful old um, Armagnac still. It's just gorgeous with a big old onion head on it. How did you feel that your transition from starting out with scotch going into bourbon was? Um, it actually paralleled. Uh, my, my same experience with, um, with scotch because when I, when I walked into, you know, again with scotch, I, I had that initial taste and that, that, that initial reaction, that negative reaction to the spirit, a real visceral, noxious to my body kind of reaction. And because of one person's, um, the, because of their patience and their enthusiasm, uh, and because of all the experiences that then followed, you know, like being paired with folklore and history and the destinations and the keen craftsmanship and the food and the music, everything that just goes into, you know, making that spirit, it, it rewired my brain to welcome this foreign thing, this single malt scotch. Um, and then when I was in America uh, and um, now having to work for an American whiskey company, my experiences because I cut my teeth on on scotch. I had no taste, no tongue for the American style of whiskey, which to me, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find anything that was, you know, just wheat or, or, you know, rye was very difficult to find. So it was basically bourbon that I was trying. And so blends and whatnot, but it was too sweet for me. It just, it was cloyingly sweet. And I, I walked into that distillery into the American one and told Dave Cutner, I said, I'm sorry, you know, I'm here to interview you about American um, techniques and whatnot, but I, I apologize. I don't like American whiskey. And you know, he had that same sort of like, oh, my God, heart attack kind of a reaction as the barkeep in Scotland did. And he's like, wait a second, what have you had? And, you know, I tried to recall whatever bourbons I had tried before. And he said, all right, basically, you're just you're you're you know, you're throwing down the gauntlet. Just give me five minutes and I'm going to teach you a few things that will make you appreciate American whiskey. You just need a little bit more uh, filling in the blanks and gave me, you know, a, a, a great, great series of lessons over, you know, many years in order to develop my appreciation for the um, American way of making whiskey and the American flavors within whiskey. Do you still prefer scotch? Is my boss listening? It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a personal question. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody knows that I prefer scotch. Yeah, I I, I love it. I just think it's. it's Do my you first have a favorite? Love. 
I do. It just, it, it depends on the season. It depends on, um, uh, the time of day depends on my hormones, <laughs> believe it or not. I, um, I'm the only one on favorites. this podcast that can, that can attest to that. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, it is a true thing. It's very, very true. There are so many interesting biological factors that have to be weighed when you're talking about, you know, what is your favorite? It's more like, what is your favorite right now or today? Mm-hmm. And um, so here's a, be- here's a better question. You're, in it's a cold night you're sitting by a fire what do you tend to go to oh okay cold night sitting by a fire i'm definitely going to go for an octomore okay and if it's if i'm lakeside at my cabin and it's you know a lovely summer evening i'm probably going to go uh for an old pulteney probably 12 year so i will go for i have two go-tos with fire and cold and it's Lafroig triple wood or Lagavulin and 16. Yum. Those are excellent choices. I don't suggest getting drunk on Lagavulin and 16. Not as fun. I, I will say it's really funny, right? Like when you talk about the DNA of, 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 you know, not only what you're drinking, but also how you drink scotch for me, no bueno for drinking. If I'm going to drink, you know, a lot because I don't get hung over. If I drink bourbon, I can drink a half a bottle of bourbon over a few hours and I'd feel fine. If I do the same thing with scotch the next day, I woke up and I feel like, you know, Charlotte crawled up into my brain and spun all of her web inside of it. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest thing. I, and I, and it has to do, it, it has to do with the distill with, with the distillation process with the, you know, the chemical structure and how, you know, when you have, uh, a, a different distillation process, uh, you know, obviously what's in it, right. You have more, more malt within, within scotch than you do uh, within bourbon. So it's a really interesting thing. You can go down a lot of nerdy rabbit holes when it comes to, to the drinking aspect of it. No, I love all those nerdy uh, rabbit holes. Uh, I, I spend my days basically up to my earballs in science textbooks and uh, you know, studying the, um, the intricacies of how how flavors created and you know how is it that the human knows smells and how do we interpret flavor all that stuff is just incredibly interesting to me so you know biologically yes i agree um you know scotch has a lot more uh in cer- certain scotches uh, on the spectrum on the flavor spectrum have are heavier with those congeners that can cause uh some of the you know bodily aches and unhappiness that you're you're talking about but I, 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 I happen to, to like that all that. Yeah, no, I, I love all those those heavy, meaty, sulfury, um, medicinal, briny, you know, just uh, all that stuff that, you know, tastes like you've you've taken a a uh, hundred year old piece of wood and you've set it on fire mm-hmm. and then buried into the ocean for five years and then you brought it out and squeezed it out over a glass. That's what I like to drink, but it's not for everybody. <laughs> do you do you now like Oban? Oh God, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I I always forget to make that to to mention. Do you, do you yell <laughs> at your no. younger self and like you're like, what a fucking idiot you were not liking this? Like, what's wrong with you? No, the the whole you know one of the one of the big points of the book is to make sure that uh, other people do not suffer that same sort of uh, um, fate that I nearly succumbed to. You know, it, to me, it's a little like putting your Joe average fifth grader into a calculus class. You know, there's so much one has to be exposed to first before all those hieroglyphics just start to become beautiful. And so the book allows me in short order to expose people to a few crucial and fascinating things that are going to make their initial handshakes with bronze spirits, uh, you know, a bit less befuddling and a lot more enticing. Well, especially scotch, right? Like scotch is... Scotch is definitely an, a, a a different one to go into. And especially if you're in a more peated scotch, that's a hard one to maybe get your feet wet with. Uh, you know, I, Shanda doesn't know a lot about scotch and so she's about to get a crash fucking course in this in three weeks. I it's, just recently fell in love with peated scotches. Oh, which one? Well, I was at a tasting at my friend's house a few weeks ago, and that's where those Ardbeg bottles came from. And I uh-huh. like drank all those. I just bought I bought an Ardbeg bottle a few weeks ago. So you've fallen into in the cult. 
Yes. <laughs> the hard baked cult of America. It was so good. It is. It is so, so wonderful. You know, I, I think um, one of the things it, I, I certainly would never have a newbie go and try a peated uh, scotch first. I just think that that's, you know, way on the on the heavy end of the flavor profile. But, you know, I, I try to when when directing people to choose a a peated whiskey. Um, I always make sure that they understand that people make the mistake of reading a peated whiskey label and thinking that that number on the label, you know, where it says something like 40 PPM, mm-hmm. you know, PPM <clears throat> translates to phenolic parts per million. They think that that's an indication of how peaty the whiskey is going to be in their glass. And that is not the case, right? So the number is reflective of how peated the grain was at the beginning of the whiskey making process. So a distiller can choose how many phenolic compounds are going to make it through to the end. They can keep as much um, of it that they want intact, or they can reduce that phenolic presence um, just with their production choices. So, you know, I always tell people that, you know, if you want to know if you're going to like a peated whiskey, have somebody else try it first and watch their face. (laughs) Interesting. That's an interesting. Scientifically proven right there. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about the science. That's awesome. No, it was it was a good it was a good it was a good journey for me to actually do that to, at my at my tasting because I really needed to because I never really liked scotches. I never really went into any of that. Um, I'm hard bourbon girl, you know. Ever since I really discovered whiskey, and it was really hard for me to branch out. And you know, once I came on board here, and they're like Scotland's a thing, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and I called my friend up, and I was like, Doug. If he's hmm, listening to this, he's going to know exactly, <laughs> exactly this. I'm like, we got to go on this journey. And it was about two and a half hours. And he has the most immaculate collection of whiskey from all over the world that you've ever seen. And it's in his house and it's fantastic. And he got me there. He got me there a few weeks ago. So we started with Does bourbon. Doug have a spare room? Because I would not be leaving. <laughs> Doug is redoing his entire house right now. He's fully blowing it out and making an entire addition and he's going to make it into a full whiskey sanctuary. So would Doug know if a bottle or two went missing? Yes. <laughs> I literally was there on Saturday helping him pack up all his bottles and I probably should have taken a lot of bottles. You are a much better friend than I am because I would have snuck one of those boxes into my like I mean I don't what know what happened to is, it. What he has is truly in, in, it's insanity. It's it's un, it's unreal the bottles he has and who he has them signed by and who he sat and drank with. It's like I he's like I'm like he's Doug. He's just Doug. <laughs> so talk to me about your Doug. affinity for for Scotland, Shelley. Was it just that trip that started it? Was it was it beforehand? You know, how did that that kind of come to pass? Um so Scotland for me is it's it's just one of the most beautiful places in the whole world. I I mm-hmm. think um it, it is uh, a little weird for me to talk about Scotland because I'm not kind of a woo-woo type of a person. But the first day I stepped off that airplane in Glasgow when I was 22, I remember just looking around and I'm in an airport, right? It smells of diesel. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I just, I turned around and I'm like, oh my God, I've lived here before. And of course, you know, everyone thought I'd fallen down and hit my head. Um, but it was every place that I went in Scotland just confirmed more and more about how I felt about this place. It was the people, it was the, you know, the stories that they told in every pub, the Kayleys that you go to, you know, it's a Kaylee is like just like a spontaneous Mm -hmm. party that just erupts in every pub. If you've got a a fiddle player and somebody who's got, you know, house pipes and whatnot, then, then everyone's dancing and everyone's shouting and drinking and it's so much fun. And it's, you know, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a, a distillery someplace. And it's such a marvelous place to <laughs> taste Scotland. What a description. <laughs> it's it's just such a lovely place to to actually have um that liquid encapsulate it encapsulates everything about Scotland, right? The the mm-hmm. the architecture, the history of it, the smells of it, the food that goes along with it, the people and their stories, the folklore, the mythology. Um, it's a magical place. And I, I know you guys are gonna absolutely have your minds blown. Um, you know, I I plan on being buried next to a very, very large pile of uh oyster shells uh on Isla which nobody knows why they're there. 
they're just there. I think it's maybe <laughs> just where oysters go to die, but that's where I'm planning on going to die as well. <laughs> Where's your favorite part of Scotland? Oh, I would have to say Isla. Yeah, it's it's right there next to the oyster pile. Uh, there's just something about it, and there's just magic absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah, Isla again. It's just it's it's this tiny island um, which holds you know nine or well, nearly ten mm. of the most magical distilleries in the whole world, and they all have these fascinating stories and these incredible craftsmen who have worked there. And yeah, it's it's. I, I can't I can't think of a of a place I would rather draw breath and make it be my last one than I love. And how was the flight over there? Horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it's great. It is not fun when the pilot's like, "Ooh, hold on to your wee heads," you know, and and uh, and he's like, hold on to that wee head. Uh, Gonna gonna be a bit bumpy, and you know people are just grabbing their puke bags and you know tossing their cookies into it because it is bumpy. Of course, it's always raining sideways or upward. It rains upward there a lot as well. So flying yeah, explain there. that to me. How the fuck does it rain upward? Yeah, it finds a way up through any rubber sheeting you try to put around your body to keep it out. I don't know how. <laughs> but we had to spend it's the magic. <laughs> it's the magic. We had the to face. There's like one one long day of peat cutting I remember doing where I thought how the hell is rain actually moving upward? But there's a squall. That's what it is. I think it just sort of like scoops down to the ground and then comes right back up to, you know, regurgitate right through all of your rubberware. We're uh we're excited. I I've never I've never been. This will be my tenth or eleventh trip to Scotland. This is my first trip to Isla. All of us are gonna experience Isla for the first time. You can take a ferry. That's very nice. No, too. we already have no, we're not taking the ferry. We already have the flight. It's forty five oh, minute flight. No. It's fine. Yeah. It won't it's be on hard. a prop plane. It's wear, a prop wear, plane. wear a pillow on the top of your head. <laughs> oh fuck, is it that t- I'm not tall, so I think I might be all right. I mean, the one time I walk out of there going, oh, you toss some the bitches, how'd it feel for right, you all? Yeah. <laughs> no, I am not kidding, okay? Because I am also a pilot. And so I know what turbulence feels like. This is exceptional turbulence. So <laughs> buckle oh, up. Geez. <laughs> it's not always like that, I hope. Well, a good 300 some days of the year, it is somewhat turbulent. <laughs> oh, great. But and right, October, I'm sure, is the best time of year. I call go. not it sitting next to Shanda. <laughs> bring a bag. Hey. Bring a bag. Hey. I don't get motion sickness though, like I've ever. I don't either. I'll just scream. It'll Could be it like a roller coaster. Berry. My stomach will be like gone. Just drink a lot. You'll be fine. It'll be great. It's an eight a.m. flight. Can't drink that early. Who says we're gonna drink when we get there anyway? <laughs> yeah. Get there, go do some shows. Might as well start early on the flight. The sun is over the yard arm somewhere, right? Yeah, that's true. We uh, we might have to pick your brain on some, uh, if you have some places or some hidden gems to go to uh, over there. To get us into some of the places we need to get to. You have to go to the soap shop in Bamore. It is the, the most, okay, Sean, I don't know if the fellow's like soap or anything, but um, this beautiful, beautiful woman, like the guys would like going there because she's absolutely gorgeous, but she owns and... a teeny, teeny, tiny little soap <laughs> You're sold shop. Them already. <laughs> <laughs> little soap shop in Bamore. And um, she collects all of like the remnants from the distilleries around her. And she creates all these different um, beautiful concoctions, you know, these, these tonics and whatnot that go into her soaps and perfumes and essential oils and all that. And I want to be her one day in my next life oh I'm my gosh that's so me. cool yeah yeah She's did really you write beautiful. that down did you did you write that down paul i just also, her hot hot girl get clean no, this, but like, where's the place in bamore in bamore bamore honey honey it is not that big i promise you're gonna Are find going to you, would just, you would look at the town and know <laughs> that there's not that many there can we go um, into bamore <laughs> americans um oftentimes uh call it bomore but it's Bamore. That's how it's pronounced. And uh, the other way, do you know where Bamore is? The is? They're going to be very that impressed is, with me. That is the town we're staying in. Oh, that's is awesome. It? That is where our that is where our 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 lodgings are. Are you staying at the Old Harbor Inn? Yes, actually. Oh God, it's so so lovely. Yeah, the Old Harbor Inn is great. All right, so the only other place I would um, 
uh, heartily suggest that you go to strictly for the architectural gem that it is, is the church that sits um, at sort of at the top of the street of, of Bamor. And it's just one street, you know, the whole thing just sort of yeah. leads right up to it. It's a circular church. And and the reason it was built like this is that the devil can't hide in any of the corners. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, is that's it, so how's cool. the food? How's the oh food? Oh my god, that's what we needed to know. The food is fantastic. Eat as much haggis as your body can possibly stand. Nah. <gasps> Such a liar. You're definitely gonna eat it. Nah. He's just trying so to get a rise, Shelly. It's okay. Yeah, don't listen to him. Also, don't listen to him. red stag. See if you can't eat a lot of red stag. The venison there is fantastic. Ooh, I might have to cut my venison. Like okay. Also, um, if you them. are uh, if you're driving, you said you're going to be around Edinburgh, driving, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so driving. are you driving north from Edinburgh? Uh, to where? Anywhere north, you you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're driving to to Doers, so we're, we have Holyrood in the morning and Doers in the afternoon on one day. So, and then we have Morrison the day we land. That'll be fun. If you have a chance, if your route takes you around Loch Fine, so you know all the the lakes are called lochs over there, yeah. and uh, F Y N E, that's Loch Fine at the base of Loch Fine. Not far, not much north of uh, um, of Glasgow is um, the Lachfine Oyster Company, and oh my Godfathers, that is the best fish seafood you will ever have in your life. It all comes, you know, so so fresh. The best salmon. The um, uh, Ooh, I'll go there and have salmon. We're gonna eat there every okay. night, Paul. Oh, so good. Um, unbelievable <laughs> fresh fish. The oysters are, of course, incredible, but uh, scallops and whatnot, you can just pig out to your heart's content. That's yeah, really, really, really good. I'm excited to be their little tour guide. I'm not all, only the tour guide, I'm the chauffeur. So I get to drive them everywhere. Ooh, lucky you. Brave. I actually love driving over there. Do you? Yeah, it's fun. I get it. I've been to England like 22 times. I've been to Scotland 10 this might be 10th or 11th time i've driven many many times when i've been over there so this is nothing new well they are uh, in good hands then yeah i'm excited because so so like on our off day right our air fingers quote off day we're gonna go up to st andrews and kind of put around up there so it'll, okay it'll st andrews has a really cool thing to see as well if you have a chance to go check out the thieves hole um i think it's on the university campgrounds i think i think it is but okay. it's the the thieves hole is just absolutely amazing you know it's one of those old um uh historical uh, places where they used to, you know, toss the criminals uh, in in the t- mm-hmm. in town, and the way that it's built, it's you know got this very narrow opening to the neck, and then it's sort of a bulbous um, uh, cave in the bottom. And you know, once the thief is tossed down into that into that hole, they can't get out. There's no way to escape. Um, but there's a really cool story about how I think uh, some of them buried their. I mean, um, they they made a tunnel from one place out of the thieves hole to another in order to escape. It's a really cool story. It was a long, long, long time ago that I saw it, but I'm pretty sure it's still there. So another place to check out. The ingenuity of people back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I, I would lose nails to do that too. We're just going to get really drunk and see if we can, you know, climb the side of uh, Edinburgh castle. <gasps> you and so many others. <laughs> oh, if you have a chance, it's really fun. If you're if you're on, I always call it the Miracle Mile. Um, if you're on the um Royal on the mile. mile, the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, um, purchase a ticket to go to the um the whiskey experience. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, was it's on fun. That, yeah, you know, it's a little corny, but it's still fun. It's you know, it's a Disneyfied version of how whiskey is made but you know i mean who doesn't want to follow a professor and his cat named pete uh, <laughs> log flume type of a of a ride through a you know <laughs> a distillery we, all, we also have a we have a date with scotch malt whiskey society i know these guys oh, are also really excited about that one that's fantastic god you guys are gonna have an awesome how long are you gone for eight days oh, eight days that's and we fine. still want and we still want to try and get like another six or seven shows 
So you're doing shows for every place mm-hmm. that you're there. You're, are, Everything, are you, everywhere so far, we have we have shows scheduled as well. Are you interviewing the distillers and the operators and all that. Uh, basically, whoever they let us talk to, really. <laughs> whoever they're going to throw at our feet that day. <laughs> yeah. Whoever we're allowed to. Talk it's your lucky day. Whoever drew the short straw. I mean, whoever you, you want. drew a short straw. You drew. It. Whoever wants to talk to the Americans that drink bourbon. <laughs> I know Connor's really excited. We have uh, it's Jackie Thompson at Ardbeg. Oh God, I love Ardbeg. It's just, it's such a beautiful, beautiful. That'll be the story. first one up, I think. Right? Is that the first one? That is the first. That's that's numero uno up, team. Ard Ardbeg day one. Well, not day one, but day one in Isla. So day one in Isla, yeah. Well, you, you have to go to Brooklady as well. That's that's my little. That's maybe where... you can get us in. <laughs> All the people I knew when I was there, I think, have. Um, Moved on. <laughs> Some to greener pastures, shall we yeah. say. Sadly. Well, Shelly, this or has been really fun. Peated pastures. <laughs> I like it. Pretty good. This has been uh this has been really fun. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for kind of just going down a bunch of different rabbit holes with us. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media, how they can get your book, and uh where they can find uh reservoir distillery. Yeah. So uh, if you are interested in all the drivel that I have to say, you can go to my website, which is shellysackier.com. You can get uh, the book um, from any of your favorite um, retail uh, sources, um, Amazon and, you know, all the big guys and whatnot. But I would suggest if you really want to read, make it a double, go to your local indie and give it some love, you know, keep those bookstores Mm -hmm. open and, um, uh, and then also uh, Reservoir Distillery, you can find all the information about our really, really super cool award-winning whiskeys from ReservoirDistillery.com. And I am also on Twitter and Instagram doing all sorts of weird and wonky things. So find us, check us out, <laughs> and uh, give us a holler. Sounds like us. Thank you so much, Shelly, for li- uh, for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And remember, yeah, thank you, friends can change the world. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Bourbon with Friends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, leave us a review to make it easier for others to find the show. You can also check us out on Instagram at BWF Podcast. Thanks for listening.